This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. We always knew where to go growing up when the storms were really bad. We grew up in an area where we would get tornadoes. We grew up in an area where the storms were, could be pretty intense. And we always knew where in the house you were supposed to go when the alarm started to sound. We'd run down into the basement. We had a basement. It's awesome. Around the corner to the left was this little alcove. It was probably used for canning way back in the day. It was an old, old house that we lived in. And that's where we would hunker down in the middle of the great storm. Do you have a place in your house that when it's really, really bad, this is where we go? No? Really? Maddie does. Maddie, if anyone has an action plan, Maddie's got an action plan. This is exactly what's going to happen. No, seriously, this is the room that we go to. If you got to look at this is the closet. This is the bathroom. How many of you have a basement? Oh, man. Oh, I miss having a basement. I miss having a basement. Yeah. This is a secure place. This is, this is an inner space so that when the storms are raging or maybe, you know, a tornado's on the way, we, this is about as secure as we can get. I found this picture. This is from a storm that went through uh, in Alabama in 2011. Everything's wiped out, but you can see there's this one little closet and that's, that, that would be the place to go, right? No matter, that's, that's, that's the room to be in. A refuge, When everything is falling apart, I go there. People need those spiritually too, you know. You need that, don't you? When the storms of life happen. A place where you can run to. Are you that place for somebody else? When someone else faces the storms of life, as big and vast and as devastating as they can be, are you the type of person that provides a shelter in the storm? Do you know how to be a refuge? Or do you just make things worse? A place where brokenness can run. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does Jesus use you to bring rest to others? That's what we want to talk about today. I've been working through a chapter in the book called 1 Corinthians chapter 13, kind of working through it line by line, what it means to be devoted to others, to love the way God loves, devoted to the neighbor, And in that chapter, if you were to look at it, it's kind of divided into thirds. The first third, the Apostle Paul talks about what love is not. And that's helpful. That's important. Love is not this. Then he talks about, for a third, about the actions that when you see devotion, when you see agape, God-type love, you'll see these things. You'll see someone who's waiting patiently or showing kindness. You won't see someone who's, who's rude or who burns with envy. The last third, the third that we're going to look at today and for the next couple weeks. The Apostle Paul makes a very important link between agape and hope. 
hope, how we make it through the storms. So let me pray a blessing upon our time, and then we'll read this passage together. Father God in heaven, may you be glorified in all that happens here in our gathering, the posture of our hearts, the attitudes of our minds, where our focus is at. May that please you. God, will you help us please by the power of your spirit to understand the beautiful things that are in your, your truth. We want to love the way that you do, care for others the way that you do, to be a vessel for grace and compassion and hope. But that takes a work from you. We make ourselves available. Open up this time. Shine a light of understanding and inspiration here. That we would leave here refuges for people in storm. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let, let's, let's look at this passage together. You have a copy of God's word. Turn to 1 Corinthians. If you don't know where that is, it's kind of towards the right it's about in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, Nikki's going to have one of the verses up on the screen for you, but I really encourage people to bring one of these. Uh, I like the, the, the pagey kind, the papery kind. Um, face tweets and snapbook notifications don't pop up in here while I'm in the middle of the sermons. That helps me focus. And, uh, and, and, and so that's why I use one of these. They're all located in the seats in front of you too if you'd like to look at one. I'm going to read us up to uh, where we've been. And then I'll read the verse that we're going to look at today. I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. He says, the Apostle Paul, to the church, I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not devotion to others, agape, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so I can remove mountains, but I'm not devoted to other, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. For God love, agape, it's patient, kind. This love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. In our verse today, agape, God love, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures all things. We, we need to remember as we're unpacking this today, that this is a church that's been caught up by the culture. This is a culture of self, self-centered, self-seeking, self-glorifying, and that has worked its way into the church. And the Apostle Paul's trying to arrest that, change that, because that's the opposite of the gospel. It's the opposite of how Jesus lived his life. Jesus was not about self. If he was about self, he wouldn't have done the cross. He says, this is the best way to live your life. This is how to invest who and what you are. Living agape, devotion. 
And we've said a lot of things over the last nine weeks, and we have just a few more weeks in this passage together. Uh, You can go to the church website and, and watch old messages if you've missed some. But I need to pull back something we said a few weeks ago about love being patient. This is an us thing. We, if we are love people, agape people, we wait patiently with others. We said that means that we're slow to anger. Anyone here not have a problem with anger? If I am dialed into the needs of the other person, that means I will arrest my anger. I'm going to hold my anger. I'm going to be slow to anger. For the steadfast love of the Lord lasts how long? Forever. Let's be thankful for that. Amen? Yeah, that would have fried me years ago. We're waiting patiently. We're slow to anger. Well, we're quick to support someone in their time of need. I'm here for you. We also said that being slow to anger, that, that waiting patiently means that we're dialed into divine timing. Meaning that we wait patiently while God works out his purpose. That God has a plan, that there's a process for that person's life. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Galatia, was very frustrated. They kept being distracted. He says, I'm in anguish over you. I get so, I just want to throat punch you sometimes. He didn't actually say that, but that's how he felt. Until Christ is formed in you. He says, I'm laboring alongside of you, and I can't believe some of the choices that you're making. It's, it's just not what a follower of Jesus will do. I'm anguished until Christ is formed in you. Recognizing the process, the purpose of God is that we become more like Jesus. Why do I wait patiently with someone who's at times difficult to love? Because God has a purpose for that person that they become more like Jesus. And so I respect God's timing and I wait patiently. Can we hold that in the back of our minds as we look at this verse together? Because I think it'll kind of help you. All right. So let's build on what we've been saying. Verse seven, for love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That can kind of sound a little wishy-washy, rainbows and unicorns and kittens, but it's actually very active. It's very, very action-oriented. And so we're going to flip it just a little bit to help us understand some of the intensity. In your notes, let's write down some things together. Agape... God's love never tires of support. Agape never tires of support. It bears all things. This is a building idea, construction idea. That's the imagery that you should have in the back. That's how that word is often used. A support for something. If you go like large pylons that hold up a roof. It never tires of supporting. A few years ago, I had the chance to go down to Appalachian parts of Tennessee with the build team here from the church. We're going to build a pavilion for a church down there in Tennessee. The guys were, I just kind of watched and cheered them on. Go team, go. That's my level of support as, as Matt and Rob and Jack. They're putting in these giant, giant, giant supports so the roof could rest on top. And they're anchoring them into the ground with these large bolts. 
so that those pillars wouldn't go anywhere. No matter the storm, no matter what the weather was going to be, those uprights aren't going to move. They will not tire of providing a canopy of shade out of the weather. That's what this means. To love someone, to be devoted to someone means I'm not going to tire of supporting them, of providing space where they can grow. In all things, meaning no matter the storm, bearing all things, means no matter anything that comes across the weather, no matter what happens in life, I'm there to support. Christians are not fair weather friends. We're not fair weather friends. We're ever present. But how do you do that? That's a, that's, that's a tall drink of water because, man, some people are just hard to love. Right? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> some people are hard to love. They're hard to support. They're hard to walk along. We, I, hard to love, hard to support, hard to walk alongside of. So it can often feel like I'm the only one who's holding this pavilion up, the only support present. And man, it's to be so easy to walk away. I think the rest of the verse can be very helpful in understanding how to support. So in your notes, let's write down number two. Number two, there are three other individuals anxious to land aid in our support of others. Agape never loses faith in the Spirit's ability. And never loses faith in the Spirit's ability. It bears all things. It believes in all things, in all storms, in all situations. It never stops believing that no matter what, the Spirit is going to work all things out. Let me give you a story from Luke chapter 8 that might be helpful as we think about this idea. The Holy Spirit, part of the triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We, we testify and confess our belief in the Spirit. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is walking through a town and someone comes up to him and asks for aid. Uh, you can follow along. You can listen along. You'll write it down and look at it later. Luke 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 40. I'm going to jump down to 49. Jesus returned. The crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. How many of you know what it's like to bring a loved one before Jesus? Yeah, to hold a loved one up before Jesus. To be, it seems, facing and bearing down on death on behalf of another person for Jesus. Yeah, to Jesus. Yeah. Jarius was a ruler in the synagogue. Hey, I have a daughter, my only daughter. And the doctors tell me she's dying. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Will you please help? Jesus is on the way. All of a sudden, another woman comes up, slows the parade, slows Jesus' progression until such a point, uh, sadly enough, verse 49, while he was still speaking, Jesus, someone from the ruler's house, Jairus' house, came to him and said, your daughter is dead. 
No, I'm dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. How many of you have a loved one where it looks like death won? There's no hope there. The situation's not getting any better. It's just bad upon bad upon bad. There's no more sense praying about this. There's no more sense troubling Jesus about this. Just walk away while the getting's good. Do you know what that feels like? Have you ever felt that? But Jesus, on hearing his answer, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe. She will be well. Apparently, God sees something that we can't see. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. All were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. From my perspective, as I'm trying to support and do everything that I possibly can to love this individual and walk alongside this individual, and I've come to the place where I'm just tired. I don't want to do it anymore. God sees things that I can't see. And for me, it might be death, and Jesus is just asleep. This one's easy for us. This one's easy for us. Taking her hand, Jesus called, saying, Child, arise. Her spirit returned. She got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. I, I, I can't stop believing. I cannot lose faith in the fact that the Spirit of God is able Believing all things does not mean I believe in people. I believe in humanity. That's a bad country song. It's a really bad country song. If humanity could figure out on its own, if humanity had this propensity just to make everything better, wherever humanity goes, Jesus wouldn't have had to send us help when he left. He says, I'm leaving, but I'm sending you the helper. I'm sending someone. I'm sending a person of the Godhead, God inside of you. And so maybe you don't understand some of the things that the Holy Spirit does or how the Holy Spirit is capable. Jesus uses the specific word helper. One of the things that the Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is a convictor. That might be helpful to remember for you. Holy Spirit convicts. Convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. Ever had those moments where your conscience is pricked? Like, I should not have, I can't, I didn't. Like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit doing this. Pressing his thumb down. Saying, hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? You're frustrated as you try to walk alongside a loved one. And the choices are the wrong choices. And they're, they're going the wrong way. It's the Holy Spirit. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to lose faith in the fact that the Holy Spirit is a convictor of souls. We'll convict them. Holy Spirit's also a comforter. Present on the darkest of nights. To bring peace and solace. 
to say things that I can't say, be present in ways that I can't be present. Holy Spirit's a sanctifier. That's a fancy churchy word for to make holy, to make you more like Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes us more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that takes that giant block of marble and is chiseling at it and chiseling at it and taking chunks off until we are the reflection of, the image of Jesus and his goodness and his grace and his love. It's the Holy Spirit producing and doing those things. It takes him a lifetime, but he does it. The Holy Spirit is the guide, guiding souls guiding in the word, guiding in relationship, guiding uh, at the workplace, guiding, ever guiding. And so here I am trying to offer support and be supportive. I cannot lose faith in the fact. I have to believe in all things in the Holy Spirit's ability. While I'm standing, holding up this pile on, the Holy Spirit's right over here next to me, holding up too. Hey, I see things that you don't see. I'm doing things that you can't do. Let's keep loving them. Let's keep supporting them. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm pretty sure I've, I read this verse just a few weeks ago. As the Apostle Paul uh, was reminding the church of the life that God had brought them out of, one of sexual immorality and swindling and lying and cheating, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. While I'm supporting and not retiring of support, I do not lose faith in the Spirit's ability to work in the hearts of the ones I love. Number three, in your notes. Agape never exhausts hope in the Father's purpose. Never exhausts hope in the Father's purpose. For love bears all things, believes all things, hopes through all things. As I said in the beginning of our time, the last third of this chapter is all dedicated to the Apostle Paul connecting love and hope and how they weave themselves. And I want to read for you the rest of the chapter, okay? Just so we can begin to key in in our last two weeks, next week and the week after, we're going to unpack this section together. But let me read for you. This is 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read 7 down through 13. See if you can sense and feel the, the theme of hope as it weaves its way in and out of these words. For love bears all things, believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, 
But then, face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. They dwell together. These three, the greatest of these is hope. Were you able to see in that passage how the, the, these words of the then and now, now it's this, but then we'll experience that. Because hope has a mindfulness of the timing and the outworkings of God, that the Father has a purpose. And love moves and is committed to that. I might be in this season of time where there's childishness, but then there will be maturity. I might be seeing things poorly, corrupted. Then we'll see things perfectly. So I don't exhaust hope in the Father's purpose. In Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you, right? He who will begin it, will, will finish it on the Lord's day. He says, on the Lord's day, God will make all of this happen. How many of you have jobs around the house that need to get done and you've been putting them off? Yeah, yeah. See some wives trying to hold up husband's hands. It's a moment of conviction. How many of you have jobs around the house that you've been putting off that need to get done? God didn't work that way. He always finishes what he starts. He will bring us to completion. He who began it will finish it. On the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, when Jesus returns, when the perfect arrives, when I am at a graveside doing a funeral, I like to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. There's not too many situations as dark and as difficult as being at the graveside of a loved one, as you're confronted with the reality of mortality, as you see the, the ground, you see the gravestones around you. Listen to this passage from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Because one of the things that you're born into. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You're born into a living hope. That this story is working its way out. That's moving a certain direction. 
You're born to a living hope, to an inheritance that's being kept and guarded for you. The story is going somewhere. A salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I cannot give up hope. And love is never exhausting of hope and the Father's purpose to bring things about. So here I am, holding up support the best I possibly can to provide a canopy of care for people in life's storms. Some storms they created on their own. Some storms the world has waged and evil's waged against them. But while I'm supporting, the Spirit is there, doing what only the Spirit can do. And the Father, very mindful, working things out for His good timing and purpose to bringing about the salvation of souls. There's one more, number four. Agape never gives up on Jesus' gospel. Never gives up on Jesus' gospel. For love bears in all things. It believes in all things. It hopes. It endures in all things. Is there an image of Jesus' devotion to you? Can you think of, in your sanctified imagination, an image where Jesus proves and shows that he's devoted to you? Is there anything that might come to your mind as you think about Jesus' devotion to you? Anything at all. How Jesus shows that he loves you. And he endured the cross. He endured suffering. He endured mocking and pain. As he carried not his cross, but yours and mine. To be devoted to someone means that I'm not going to give up on the gospel, on that means of living, that we are cross-carrying people. We live a cruciformed life. We suffer with, we suffer for others by choice. So Jesus said in John chapter 10, he says, uh, no one makes me lay down my life. I lay down my life willingly willingly suffer for them. To endure means that there's a staying power. When others leave, we stay. When others quit, we hold fast. As we walk alongside of others, living and following after Jesus' example. So here I am supporting to the best that I can possibly support, but I'm not supporting alone. The Spirit is working and the Father has a purpose and Jesus' example who's living out the cross. Right this, okay, we can do this together. As I think about my loved ones, the ones that I'm called to be devoted to, to come alongside, because the Father, Son, and the Spirit has expressed that same devotion to me, I will participate with the Father, Son, and the Spirit as it expresses its devotion to others.
We love because he first loved us. So flow has a purpose to it. Flow is not some loosey-goosey pushover emotion. It's a very proactive, very intentional agent of transformation. It is a commitment to be present so the love of God can flow through us to other people. Do you see how love now becomes something very, very personal? Divine love, devotion, agape is very, very tangible, touchable. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Have any of you here been reached or touched by God's love as it came through somebody else? Okay, yeah. Someone sat with you, called you, someone cried with you, someone touched you, someone wrote you, someone shared with you. It was love that was hearable and touchable and it was present, it had skin on. This is God's love being very personal. We can see how important it is for us to maintain an obedient walk. Because God's love flows through us, a sincere faith, a pure heart, and a good conscience. What happens when we cease to be present? God save him, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. All things, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How many of you know what all weather tires are? I know some of you live in Ohio, but that doesn't mean you, don't, you might not know what they are. All-weather tires. Some of you get all-weather tires. In Pennsylvania, it's kind of like you get, here's your birth certificate, here's your all-weather tires. That's just how Pennsylvania rolls, weather-wise. You just never know. You never know. What are they designed? They're kind of designed so you can kind of pretty much get through everything that you can. Yeah. How about storm doors? How many of you know what a storm door is on your house? Yeah. We had storm doors in our house growing up. We could change out the panes. You could take out the glass panes that you could put in, put in the screen panes. Depending on, you know, remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Depending on the weather. As the weather changed, then, then you could outfit the door accordingly. All things, no matter what the weather might be, how it might rage, how it might burn, no matter how cold it might get, no matter how hard things might be, what might be part of the all things? How about a prodigal child? Would that be part of the all things? They could be 15, they could be 50, right? Someone that you're devoted to, the choices that they make, that hurt you. I think that would be part of the all things. How about an unsaved spouse? Here you are loving Jesus, trying to live out your faith in obedience. You go to church and you open the Bible and you'd love for that spouse to experience and walk in the same thing, but they don't. Is that part of the all things? Yeah, I think so. How about, how about a heartbroken friend? Would that be a part of the all things? For whatever it might be, they've gone through something that just crushes their heart. It's part of the weather. Yeah. 
How about the things that show up without warning? The crisis, the emergency. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and you know how they test the radio? And this is a test of, and they just, I'm like, yep, got it, we're good. Still works, it's fine. Because all of a sudden, sometimes there's going to be a crisis, and we need to get your attention. If you live in Troy, they love to turn that, that, that tornado siren on. That's like their favorite thing in the world. There doesn't have to be a tornado anywhere. We're just going to run it because someone found the button and they think it's fun. That's just Troy. That's where we live. But sometimes weather just happens and there's no warning. You get a phone call and there's heartbreak. There's an accident. There's a diagnosis. Weather happens. That's part of the all things. That's part of the all things that we're called to support through. Who here has been hurt by someone that you're devoted to? You're devoted to that person and they have hurt you. Anyone know that feeling? Sure. Anyone here honestly want to quit sometimes? Own it, right? Dude, they're punks. Anyone here honestly say, yeah, there have been times where I would love to quit. I'd love to quit on them. Yeah. How many knows what it feels like to be quit on? Yeah. So how do we support? Let me make some weatherproofing suggestions as we labor alongside of the Spirit and the Father and the Son as we provide support for others. Here's just some simple ideas. I'll make sure that I am always open to God's grace. It's God's strength, not my own. I need to always be open to God's grace. Things like prayer, okay? I'm gonna hold fast to the discipline of prayer. I'm gonna pray specifically for that person. As I know that the Holy Spirit, Spirit, I know that you are working in that person's life. You are convicting and comforting and and I know that you're saying things that I can't say and and there you are dwelling alongside of them. So Spirit, I'm just gonna bring them them back to you again. I'm in prayer. Father, I recognize that you have a purpose for this person and I, I, I love this person. Help me remember, Father, that you are working all things out for the good. Father, I hold them up to you. I know you have a purpose. I know you have a plan. I struggle seeing it sometimes. Jesus, I hold on to the fact that your better news, your gospel, you carried the cross for me. You carried the cross for them. Help me walk alongside of them like you're walking alongside of them. Help me keep my eyes fixed upon you. You're the author, the perfecter of faith. I need to hold fast to prayer. And that might mean a lifetime. Part of support means making sure that I'm getting support. That I have people that I know are helping me. They ask me, how are you doing? I'm fine. Liar. Liar. How are you doing? I'm struggling. It's my husband, it's my wife, it's my kid, it's my neighbor. And my heart is breaking and I just don't know if I can do it anymore. A rope of three strands is not easily broken. Do you have support? Are you engaging honestly with others that can be holding you up? That's that's part of weatherproofing. 
How about freeing up energy? You have capacity. You can only do so much. You're not Jesus. But have you built a life that has left no margin and capacity to care for others because you're overscheduled, overspent, overbooked, under-resourced, and undernourished? So when crisis hits, you're useless to that person. God would love to give them support and care and comfort. It's just not coming from you. What about learning to free up some energy in your life? Maybe even in your own schedule, you could block out a couple hours, maybe once a week and in the evening. You know, I'm going to make phone calls to loved ones this night. I'm going to write letters. I'm going to go visit someone. I'm going to build that into the schedule. It's so important. I'm not going to let anything get in on that so that I can be present. Building some margin into your budget so that you can be more generous when other people might have needs. Maybe an emergency pops up at the church. Hey, we're going to raise funds for. Or someone says, hey, I have this. Hey, here we are. That would mean walking into the embrace and reality that the money that God gives you is not yours. It's intended to be a ministering tool. but it's a tax-free weekend. And that TV is so nice. But what if you did? What if you cut back and built a little bit more margin into your spending so that you could be more generous when needs come up? What if we did that? Freeing up some energy. Another suggestion. I'd love for you to do this this week. Thank someone who's been supportive of you. Thank someone who's been supportive of you recently. In the middle of life's storm, it's kind of hard to slow down and say, hey, thank you. I know you've got my back. But let's look back over the last few months, the last year. You were a good friend. Thank you for being my friend. I'm a jerk. You were there for me. Hey, when my loved one passed away, you were there. Hey, when I needed a card, you sent it right in the nick of time. Thank you for being you. You never know. That might go a long ways in helping someone who's supporting you. Just some ideas. I think maybe through the course of the last 40 minutes, a name has kept coming up to you. Maybe two, but at least one. Someone that you're called to support. Someone that you're called to hold up. Someone that, like you, the Spirit is working with and the Father's intending and Jesus died for. Let's kind of hold on to that person right now in our mind, in our imagination. Let the Spirit help you see them in the storm. Imagine them alone on the hillside and the weather is raging and the clouds are dark and the rain is pelting them. Their clothes are tattered and their spirit is crushed. 
maybe decades of disappointment and heartbreak has left them a shell. Then imagine, if you will, the Spirit coming alongside of them, the Father coming alongside of them, Jesus coming alongside of them. As the beautiful triune one holds out his hands and say, hey, join us. Join us. Let's love this one the world is beaten, that the world is torn down. To the remainder of our time, let's give ourselves over. Let's give our heart over to loving this one. I can't help but say thank you to the individuals that God has sent into my life that saved me in the middle of the storm. So artist, did you come up, please? The message isn't over. The worship gathering isn't over. Let's respond to God's grace. We love because he first loved us. Let's hold on to that name. Let's hold on to that individual. Why don't we stand? Let's stand together. Let's hold them up. Love flows through us. A sincere faith, a pure heart, a good conscience. Let's hold them up. Spirit, I know you're working. Father, I know you have a purpose. Jesus, you carried the cross for them. For love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.